This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants Giant step. step. Welcome inside One Giant Step. No game preview, no fantasy or reality. Me and Paul can have more of those later on in the week. Instead, just a look ahead to the bye and a look back at the trade deadline that's passed and a look ahead to the second half inside One Giant Step. I'm Sean Morash. He's Paul Dottino. Paul, hello. Hello, Sean. Hey, good to report. All my Kit Kats went, the children rang the bell, and I got nothing left for leftovers. I got wiped out as well, Paul. You know, let's start there. The heck with the trade deadline. You dumped off Kit Kats like we dumped off Kadarius Tony as, as the Giants did. So nothing left. You bought the candy. You want it back. And no complaints. No egging the Detino house. They were all happy with the Kit Kats. Everybody was happy. Even threw in some Reese's too. All right. See, that's nice. See, I really was a show off. I went with the big bars of candy. I thought, oh, this would be cool. I got 120 of them. I don't know if I had a lot of double dippers circle back around because they saw the candy I had or whether neighborhood word started to spread. But by the time I'd gotten back in my kids trick or treating, my father-in-law, who was back in the house, said, you're wiped out. And I had to start handing out my daughter's whoppers back wow. to put back out there. Yeah, look, we had to take a little out of my daughter's bucket to finish the night, but I was wiped out as well. Kind of felt good. Halloween Halloween, in many ways to me felt like the New York Giants. It's back. It felt alive again. Very, very cool. Although much more action with the kids trick-or-treating than there was in the trade market down at East Rutherford. No doubt about it. And that's where we'll get into here because obviously we don't have a game to preview, but we can react to the trade deadline. The New York Giants, well, the only trade they end up making is the one last week where they dealt off Kadarius Toney. Uh, Joe Shane did admit that the Giants received calls on giving up a player that was a definite firm hard no. You can speculate on who that may want to be, but nothing really materialized. And, l- and let me just start here. I'm going to speak from strictly a Giants fan perspective. Am I disappointed the wide receiver room didn't get upgraded? Yes, but. But it is hard to be disappointed today when you just look at what happened on the trade deadline. Elijah Moore didn't get traded. Denzel Mims didn't get traded. Jerry Judy didn't get traded. I mean, in the end, what happened? I mean, weeks ago, Robbie Anderson got traded, but that was before we knew what was going on. And Claypool went for a what's going to be a high second-round pick. I think we'd all agree you could find another Chase Claypool with a high second-round pick. That is, to me, I understand what the Bears are doing. They're trying to do everything to support their young quarterback. But ultimately, I, I that wouldn't move the needle enough for me with that kind of pick. 
So it is hard oh. for me, while well, I might be disappointed, Paul, to go, mm-hmm. oh, this sucks. How do you not trade for somebody? When you just look around, it's not like a trade happened for a wide receiver for this year. Forget the Ridley deal where you could say, wow, the Giants should have been in on making that deal. I'm proud of you, Sean. I've been telling you for a couple of weeks, this is how it was going to shake down. And and you told me you were going to be calm. You told me you were going to be rational. And you told me you would accept it. And you are. And I think well, that's really good. Yeah, I, but I, I do think there's a middle ground to be had, Paul. Like, And here's the thing. I've actually argued with Giant fans on Twitter, which was probably a mistake all day. This is what I. This is the the mindset. Actually, I can't take Paul. I am thrilled the Giants are six and two. Never in our wildest dreams did we think six and two was the first half they were going to have. And I am very realistic in understanding. I don't think that this is a Super Bowl team or a Super Bowl roster. But what I will not stand for for Giant fans is just to sit back and have that acceptance of, well, nobody thought we'd be here. We're six wins. Who cares what happens the rest of the way? I say the heck with that, Paul. I say the heck with that because I am looking around at NFC right now where the old fathers are falling. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, geez, even the Rams look disastrous. And I saw us compete on the field with the Dallas Cowboys. I've seen the Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens, one of the better teams in the AFC. The Titans at 5-2 and two in the AFC. And I know that the Eagles are hanging around. I saw the Giants' defense, a worse version, hold Jalen Hurts to less points. I know it wasn't A.J. Brown and really stifle him. I don't like the mentality leaving the trade deadline of you shouldn't be disappointed in anything because what the heck are the Giants this year anyway? Hey, you know what? Six and two starts don't happen that often. Seize the moment of what is an open conference and start raising your expectations for the second half, even if the roster has holes. Because while the roster has holes, Paul, you know what also it has? A lot more talent in other places than we gave it credit for preseason. Well, I think the gravy mentality, that is, oh, the Giants have already won six games and anything they win now is gravy, is ridiculous. You can't have that mentality. You're a thousand percent correct. This is a team that clearly is mathematically in great position with over 80% chance of making the playoffs. So why would you not want the team to do well and make it into the postseason? I mean, that would be just fool, foolish and idiotic and just insane beyond belief. So I'm with you. You want this team to grab a piece of the pie while it's got the chance. That's fine. The problem is when you mortgage your home or you get out that credit card and you make the quote splash, A, there's no guarantee that that splash is going to work, and B, You are guaranteed to have to pay that off with interest down the road, thereby derailing in all likelihood the three- or four-year plan that you have to be a continuous contender on the upswing. And that was the balance that Joe Shane had to navigate. And clearly, the only receiver that got moved, we we know who it was, it was Claypool for a high second-round pick. You've already talked about the price. There's no way in the world If I were the Giants, I would have come anywhere near that cost. So they did the right thing because the market was simply not going to fit for them. I agree. But I I guess the the reason I'm saying before we found out the price for Claypool, before we realized, I mean, obviously this is pre as the deadline unfolds, that none of these other guys get moved. The idea that even a third, that second third you got from the Chiefs or the fourth, 
You can't possibly mortgage the future with that pick to help the team this year. I didn't agree with that mindset. There is a, a line you can't cross, and the Giants didn't cross that line, nor should they have. So that's why I'm fine with it. I just don't like that settling mentality that you shouldn't upgrade all costs. I mean, again, I stress this. Marcus Johnson led the team in snaps at wide receiver last week, yeah. which is going to bring me into the next wide receiver thought as we before we get into everything else that Shane had to say. The guy who has said all the right things, and maybe now that the dust is cleared, I have the wrong mindset. You know, Paul, Kenny Galladay's allowed to come back off this bye week and be a good, reliable player. Will Kenny Galladay ever be worth the guaranteed money that the Giants gave him? Clearly not. Probably would have been the case anywhere. But when Kenny Galladay was brought here as part of the New York Giants, he was never a burner with separation. In fact, his nickname was the contested catch king. Okay, he didn't score a touchdown last year. I felt like a bad fit with the offense. This offense has evolved from where we were in week one to where we are in week eight. And Kenny Galladay, maybe he was never fully healed in camp, fully healed for the year, and then he gets this other injury. He's now had about a month to sit back, rest up, whatever. I, I don't know what the expectation is here, Paul, but Kenny Galladay's allowed to come back and be a factor and be a good player, even if not a great player, for this giant offense here. Joe Shane himself said they expect him to be ready for the Houston game coming out of the bye. And that's music to the Giants' ears because you're right. They need an infusion in that wide receiver room. And I'll tell you this. I know we all know they want someone to burn and get, get the top taken off of the defense. I get that. And I get that Galladay is not that guy. But here's what Galladay could potentially do for this team. He could be a big move-the-chains guy. Because on third and 11, he can get the 12 yards to get you that first down, to keep that drive alive. And he is big and physical and strong. And he can break away from a defensive back and get big play yardage after the catch. Look, he was a two-time 1,000-yard receiver in Detroit, okay? Let's get something straight. If Kenny Galladay was nothing more than an easy, short-range, contested catch guy, he wouldn't have put up 1,000 yards two years in a row. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that's all he was, but that, you know, he was great at battling that. That's how he scored a lot of touchdowns. And we saw no that way they were trying. Then there were times last year, the Saints game is one of those ones. When Kenny Galladay caught a pass, whether it was a quick slant, something, he jumped at you on the screen. You could tell there was something different about him. Whatever yeah. that was, wasn't there. I can't imagine, just based on one injury, he completely fell off a cliff like that. He's allowed to come back and be part of that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Now this brings me into the the other question that was asked, and I, I feel like you're going to completely disagree, and that's fine. Again, 
The caveat to this has to be at the right price. I cannot simply just write off on talent and attitude alone the idea that Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't be a fit here, Paul. Again, price. If, if he gets priced out, you don't go crazy spending on Odell Beckham Jr. off two ACLs. But Odell Beckham Jr., to me, while he's still a little bit with the Twitter and everything, I have to think there's some maturity in the last four years. I saw him could potentially be the Super Bowl MVP last year. I don't know what the market is. Some of these teams like the Rams and the Packers, they may not make the playoffs if they sign Odell. Who's giving him a big deal anyway off the ACLs? He's buddies with Saquon Barkley. All I'm saying is this, Joe Shane, I thought, did a good job of not closing the door on Odell Beckham Jr., even if it isn't wide open, and I like that. I agree with you in that Shane said anybody who's healthy and can help, we would certainly consider, and so he did not close the door on Beckham, and I do think that that crack is open a little bit more than it would have been otherwise because there is a new administration here, and there is certainly a new culture, if you will, and you know how I hate that word, in the locker room. <laughs> Uh, this is a team that is obviously on the upswing. We know from Beckham's past that when teams are on the slide, that's when his worst traits come out. Clearly, when things are going well, Beckham is not a problem. He produces, and he's quiet, and he's a good guy, and everything is hunky-dory. Uh, evidence with the Rams last year. He's a front-running okay? player, right. That's what he is. He is not a guy you want around your team when the going gets tough because he's going to get going out the door. That's just yeah, the way it I is agree. with Odell Beckham Jr., okay? So the Giants are in a different spot than they were when they had Beckham the first time. So in that regard, is the percentage of him coming back maybe a tad more than it was? Yes. But let's not forget a couple of very important factors here. Number one, he's not healthy, and the anticipation by most people around the league is that he will not be able to get on the field until sometime in December. That's the latest that I'm hearing. So okay. how much is he going to be able to give you over the final maybe four games of the regular season once he gets into a camp and then has to learn whatever playbook that is that's going to be thrown onto his desk? And then he's got to quickly get up to speed and give you enough to make a big difference. I would say this to you, Sean, no matter where he goes, he's going to wind up being at best the number three, getting well, limited snaps and maybe even a number four wherever Paul, he lands. Paul, that's why I think the Giants are actually a more realistic possibility than maybe we allow our minds to gravitate towards. Because if he's really not ready to play till December and he gets four games in before the playoffs, number one, he's not signing with a team that is fighting for the playoffs. He's signing with a team that he knows is going to make the playoffs. And by the time we get to December, you know, the Giants could be an eight, nine win team. We feel like, okay, they're a playoff team. They, you know, I'm going to, I know they're going to win one or two more games. Number two, you know, he could sign somewhere and be the fourth or fifth piece in Buffalo, or he could sign somewhere with the Giants where, you know what? Okay, Galladay comes back. He's factor Wanda Robinson. I could be a legitimate three here. And and also, by the way, know that he has to play in a playoff game because he's going to be playing for his financial future in many ways. He needs as many games to showcase as possible. So I don't think he's signing with a team that hopes they have a puncher's chance of making the playoffs if he knows he can't play to December. It's going to be signing with a team that he knows will be in the playoffs, which is why the next couple of weeks, Lions, Texans, if the Giants win those games, I do think this becomes more realistic for him. 
I think that's a very interesting angle to look at, Sean. And from Odell Beckham's angle, you've laid out all the reasons why this could be a possibility. I concur with you in that regard. And I would add one other facet to this prism, if you will. I don't think Giants ownership would stand in Joe Shane's way. They believe in Joe Shane. They're allowing him to drive this truck. If Joe Shane sits down with Coach Dable and they decide that that is a missing piece that could help this team go further, I would say that ownership will check off on it. And if Joe Shane wants to have conviction and pound his fist on the table and say, I think we need to make this happen, I think they'll let him make it happen. This is Joe Shane's call. And don't think ownership wouldn't love a couple more Odo Beckham Jr.'s jerseys sold before Christmas because, you know, the Giant fans would eat those up as well. Uh, All right, Paul, with that, Joe Shane had a couple interesting comments. One, I think, kind of was a bigger deal made than, than Twitter went crazy for, and that was the idea of, you know, looking at some of the unrestricted free agents they have coming up and trying to get you know, or at least talk about deals this week, specifically in the bye week. Now, everybody immediately jumped on. Well, that means Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. There are other guys. Oh, I don't know, like Julian Love, who might be really important in looking at that as well. How did you interpret those comments? And do you think, because Shane did admit he probably still needs to figure out more as far as restructuring, and that could mean an extension for one of these guys to have a little more wiggle room to operate. You know, where do you feel, or what do you feel basically Shane was indicating at, and do you think any deals long-term get done with some of these guys? Well, I think what Shane really tried to tell everybody is that it's a two-way street. They are seriously mulling the possibility of getting some extensions done. But at the same time, he also did say, and it may have been left out of some people's articles and some of the quotes that were put out there, is that the players got to want to do it now too. You got to remember something. There are some players who, like an Aaron Judge in baseball with the Yankees, who will say, I want to bet on myself. There's still a half a season to go. I can improve my situation. Why should I take an extension now? Maybe Saquon Barkley feels that way. Maybe Daniel Jones feels that way. Now, remember, I've said to you all along since we started these shows that I believe by the midseason, if Daniel Jones had shown out to be you know, good and on the way up, they would in all likelihood mull an offer to him. And I still believe that's the case, especially after what Joe Shane publicly said yesterday. But does Daniel Jones feel compelled to take an offer now? Does he really want to sit down and negotiate a deal right now? I think there's an angle that says he should. Because if he He gambles on the last nine games. He gets hurt and misses three, four weeks. Right. And isn't that the point? You can make him a more modest offer now saying, we'll take the risk that there's nine games left in this season and you've still yet to prove that you have played a full season healthy. So we'll take that risk for you, Daniel, but you're going to have to come down in your price to be a little bit more reasonable. I think that works out for both sides. I've been saying that for weeks now. All right, Paul, we're going to play a game here. It's not really a game. And by the way, I don't think Barkley does that. I I don't think. No, by the way, Saquon should, because if Saquon wins the MVP this year, that's a good follow up to this. I, somebody crazy probably does give him some kind of contract. I mean, how many times the Arizona Cardinals and Jacksonville Jaguars are going to hand out crazy contracts and hope it cures their ails, right? right. So there is a and possibility. I do think, 
I do done. think also, though, the Giants believe that there's a better chance of getting a Jones deal done, which means you can save the tag for Barkley anyway if you really want to tie him up. And I would also say that if they get a deal for Jones done and it's within their reasonable range and it's three years, something like that, right? It also then does help the front office get a jump start on, you know what? We're, we've played ourselves out of the top 10. Let's stop worrying about scouting these quarterbacks. What are we doing? And really start to focus in yeah. on filling other holes on this team next year. Because, Paul, I think there were a lot of us who, even through the first two weeks of the season, even as they're winning, you know, Daniel Jones getting yelled at in Tennessee, the thought process was, hey, coach looks great, team playing well. You're probably still going to draft a quarterback. You know, do you have to trade up this, that, and the other? And ironically, I don't know if you feel this way, Paul. I kind of feel like the mindset on Daniel Jones – for those who might have been anti him being the future of the New York Giants quarterback, changed in the loss. I think when he took that beating versus Dallas where the offensive line had no shot and basically kept the game in and you knew, hey, they're losing. This isn't his fault. I think it was that loss that actually started to change the perception of Daniel Jones a little bit and made people feel more comfortable with the idea of him coming back. I'll tell you what. Uh, there's something that Joe Shane said in an interview with Good Morning Football's Peter Schrager of NFL Network that I thought was very interesting because I hadn't heard him say it anywhere else. And by the way, he mentioned the core guys that you need to take care of, which pretty much telegraphs his plan. Jones, Barkley, Lawrence, McKinney, and Love. Young core guys who are going to be coming up within the next year or so that you want to take care of. So, So he's already identified those. But then he also told something to Schrager, which I thought was really very telling. He said when Barkley got hurt against the Packers on on one of those come-from-behind drives and Jones went down the field, hit seven of eight passes, led the Giants on the go-ahead touchdown, and the only incompletion was a throwaway, Shane said that that told him an awful lot about what Daniel Jones is. And I think when you combine that with the previous two weeks – when he got the crap kicked out of him by the Cowboys, you now understand why the Giants in their mind already believe that Jones is the guy. The question now becomes, can they get the numbers to work? Yeah, and 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 if this wasn't year four of Daniel Jones and this was year two, I think that the entire fan base would be you know, oozing with excitement about what the future of the quarterback position might have. It's just the stickiness of the rookie contract clock being up that that's, what's really hurt this. I mean, I, yeah. again, what if a picture, what we've seen for Daniel Jones right now and say, this is year two of him. You'd be going nuts right now as a giant, but you would sure be. you would, but the, the residue of, of the up and down and the injuries and the failures still tastes very strong with a lot of fans. It does. It does. Like the kick catch you gave out on Halloween. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Paul. So I, I just want to, you know, because you're closer to this, you've been around the team. I think there are a couple guys that as this second half approaches, again, they're a six and two team, nine games left. Let's see where it goes. I want your honest opinion. Do you think they are factors for this team or more or less you hope they're non-factors? Okay. Is that, is, are we ready sure. to play this game? Let's do it. Robert Foster, wide receiver, practice squad right now. Thin room. I think he is potentially a small factor. Small I would not factor. necessarily put a lot of eggs in his carton, but I do okay. think he could potentially be a small factor. And I think a lot of what happens to him depends on how well Galladay, Robinson, and Slayton are able to get okay. their acts together beginning with this game against Houston. If they come out of the box and they're doing what they need to do, well, then Robert Foster may not get his opportunity because those three guys might ball out the rest of the season. But okay, should one a- of those guys yeah. not do what they need to do, then there's going to be an open door there for Foster to try to sneak in and potentially give them some production. Okay, and I say that because we've seen David Sills log a lot of snaps early in the year. Those snaps have seemingly now gone to Marcus Johnson, and we've seen logs of snaps make some plays but have some issues with drops. And I guess, you know, the next kind of guy like that in line would be Foster. So with a whole second half here, I you know, that question does arise. I want to bring up Marcus Foster for uh, Marcus Johnson for a second because, you know, I talked about him when they got him and, and said, hey, this is a guy with some speed. He's got some resume going for him. Maybe he could be of some assistance. And he's made a few catches here and there. But here was the interesting part. I did a little bit deeper dig. And I went back and I found out that during his time with the Colts, when he combined for 31 pass receptions, during that same time period, Sean, Stats Inc. logged him for six drops. Hmm. Now, that is a terrible ratio. Terrible. 31 catches, six drops. And I only did that because over the last few weeks, we've seen him start to drop passes. And I'm like, man, is this something that, that that's like rearing its ugly head from his past? Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, now I understand why the Colts didn't hold on to him. You need to have reliable hands. Okay, player number two, somebody you've been positive on on the trail on coming back, but there's also a question of how good will he be? We still don't really even know as a young player, and that is Shane Lemieux, factor or non-factor? Well, again, that depends on somebody else. If Gates, who is obviously ready to go, and we saw some snaps out of him in this past weekend's game, if he's ready to go, then he's the first man up to plug in okay. at either guard. If Zudu or Bredesen you know, can't wind up holding the spot during the second half of the season, we know Bredesen still has a couple of weeks left on IR. Uh, or if Feliciano should not be able to hold up. We know he's been kind of banged up. So Gates is the first man up. Do they need a second replacement player? Right now, I'd say they probably would not. The odds are they only need one guy to potentially move into the starting five, and that would be Nick Gates. 
Well, that's an interesting answer, Paul. But, Paul, that's an interesting answer because we went into August saying that's our starting left guard. That's our starting left guard. We haven't seen him all year because of injury. And what you're saying is even after the injury here, Nick Gates is ready to go, and he is going to supplant here if if we need a starting left guard. It won't be Lee getting that job back. I think think because he is already ready, he's ahead of, of Lemieux in terms of his schedule. If the Giants believe that they need to make a move at guard, Gates is going to be that guy. Why wouldn't he be? I'm look, I'm in favor of it because I, I think the other part about Lemieux that I find interesting is we actually still don't even know. I mean, we know he's a good run blocker, right? We we don't know what he's going to develop into yet. It's not like he was a known commodity. He was still a day right. three pick that, you know, he's missed a lot of time. Okay. The other guy that I maybe only I find interesting, I could be the only one listening or talking on one giant step that cares, but because he's missed the last few weeks and because what I've seen happen with the room. Last week, Nick McLeod made, played a lot more snaps in the slot uh, instead of Darnay Holmes. So I'm bringing up Cordell Flott, young guy, guy they have a lot of hope in, factor and non-factor in the second half. I would say right now, because he's missed so much time and because he's still dealing with that stupid calf injury, and I call it stupid because nobody ever knows how long it's going to sideline you, I suspect that Cordell Flott will not be much of a factor in the second half. Uh, the Giants have obviously gotten guys to step up in that secondary room. And if I'm them, I've got to trust what those guys have put on tape and say, you know what, we're going to ride with you because at this point, Flott not only has missed too much time, but again, you consider the fact that it's a calf. He's already kind of been in and out of the lineup twice since you go back to training camp. So his durability at this point in time it's got to be something you cannot rely on. Okay. Now, I will close with this one, Paul, before we settle in for our bye week. This is not – this is more of a factor, let's call it. Between these two injured giants, who needs to have the bigger impact in the second half? Aziz Ojolari or Daniel Bellinger? Ojolari. Okay, And I think that's a pretty easy one because at this point, I think realistically, you're not going to expect a whole lot more out of Bellinger because the thinking is if he makes it back sometime in December and he's able to play for a few games, okay, that's fine. But if Ojolari can get back within the next two weeks, uh, he could add a lot to that pass rush. Now, again, he's coming off a stupid calf injury and you don't now, know about pulled, his durability. He- he, I am I crazy? He's not actually eligible because the bye week doesn't count to come off IR by the time they place him until the Cowboy game, right? No, no, he's it's four weeks. It's, it's four weeks. I thought the it bye was week four counts. Games. Okay, it does count. Okay, it's I four weeks. That. So, so he's got a couple more to go. Now, I would say, I would say that he is the guy who's got to have more of an impact because there's a better chance that he's going to wind up playing a whole lot more snaps than Bellinger could possibly play by the time he comes back off of his uh, eye surgery. Look, Ojolari's been a factor in the limited snaps he's had for the Giants this year. Thibodeau, clearly, we expect him to only get better. I mean, if you get two bookend pass rushers going at it and it takes Leonard Williams some edge snaps away and you get all everything you still got from Jihad Ward, I mean, the Giants are really going to have a formidable front and Ojolari completes that. All right, Paul, what do you got planned for your Sunday? You know, I'll be honest with you, Sean. I haven't even gotten that far yet. I've got a college football game I've got to do Saturday. I'm doing a lot of prep for that. And at some point in time, I'll take a breath and figure out what I'm doing Sunday. I I think in all likelihood, I will just fire up the computers and the TV screens and 
have three games on at once and uh, just uh, scoreboard watch, as we like to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be doing the same with my Sunday ticket uh, in New York. We're going to get the Jet Bill game. I'm happy I have Sunday ticket. I can flip around, maybe take a peeksy at the Texans and Lions. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to punt on watching football because the Giants are off. I'll be a real pig in front of the TV and away we go. It's hard. It's hard to watch the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and believe I, me, I and know. I, and I have to. I have to at some point because I'm going to have to preview that game in another week and a half. But watching the Houston Texans is kind of like chewing stale graham crackers. It, oh. it just doesn't taste very good. And now I want a s'more, but not a stale s'more. But you're right. I might have to do it anyway. Lions will be interesting. Hey. It's a week of – the Giants can't lose this week. They haven't done much of that all year, but they can't lose this week. Paul, where we can we get you on Twitter? At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at Mirage CBS. Thanks to our producer, Adam. Thanks to all of you for a wonderful first half of the year for tuning and listening, becoming new listeners. We appreciate it. Remember, you can subscribe anywhere. Podcasts are downloadable. We'll see you for the second half of the year. Thanks for taking one giant step with us. <laughs>